0: Good morning. So this sermon almost didn't happen for me. We decided on this topic several months ago when Reverend Carl asked Ben and I if we could fill in one Sunday while he was on sabbatical. Sure, we readily agreed. Summer is a less busy time, and we settled on hope for our topic, feeling like we all could use some hope And maybe we would be feeling more of it in those lazy, hazy days of summer. But then everything that has happened in the last two months happened. Not just the routines and annoyances of daily life. Thankfully, the good far outweigh the bad or even just annoying on that count. I'm talking about the brutal litany of indecencies, abuses, meanness, lies, that has transpired on a countrywide scale in the last two months, or in the last year and a half, depending on how you look at it. In the face of all that, I thought, hope? What is hope? In the recent past, I incessantly and habitually checked CNN and NPR countless times a day. Scrolled through my Facebook feed way more than was necessary to stay connected. I don't know if I was looking for more bad news to have to process or hoping for something good to make me feel better. I thought I maybe had begun to feel numb, but addicted in a way to the constant news updates. How many horrible or even just plain upsetting things happened today, this morning? in the last hour and yet how is checking the news incessantly going to help isn't checking the news twice or maybe even once a day like my dad did over his morning paper isn't that enough when I'm reading the latest details over and over again waiting for the next shoe to drop it freezes me in inaction in a virtual world of not doing, not practicing much of anything. It makes me feel helpless. Was my addiction to news and the latest Facebook updates a byproduct of this helpless feeling? I have come to believe that what I have often felt since November of 2016 was just that, a helplessness a powerlessness, an inability to see how I could change things or make an impact. Despite the number of phone calls I made, emails I wrote, donations given, marches attended, posters made, I wondered if my feelings about needed to, needing to do something, anything, translated in some roundabout way to being well-informed. I started thinking about how being informed might somehow take the place of finding meaning and making a difference. And maybe even doing something by creating, serving, connecting, being fully present in my life. So that's when I thought, how can I possibly write this sermon about hope? when my helplessness was making me feel hopeless. And I decided that is what I can talk about, my daily struggle with hope, the realization that I can't exist without hope, the realization that I have to find a way to be hopeful or I just can't keep going on for my children, my friends, my family, myself. I simply must find some beacon of hope. It was around this time that I found a book in the Curious Iguana in Frederick. Everybody know where that is? It's a great bookstore. If you haven't been there, you should visit. Uh, The book is called Radical Hope, Letters of Love and Dissent in Dangerous Times, edited by Carolina de Robertis. It's a collection of letters written by a diverse group of novelists, poets, journalists, and activists to address how can we have hope in our challenging times. In her introduction, De Robertis writes, I invite you to find in these pages whatever you most need, a balm, a salve, a rallying cry, a lyrical manifesto, a power source, a mirror, a sanctuary, a hand to hold, a beacon, a torch to light the way. I don't know about you, but I think I need all of those things. (laughs) De Robertis is an award-winning author and teacher of creating writer, and she's also a Latina lesbian activist who conceived this book while she was grieving after the 2016 election, losing sleep, engaging in constant conversation with her friends, family, students, and colleagues, and pondering what this turn of events meant and how could she make a meaning of it. She writes, I thought about you that morning, though I may not know you personally. I thought about the long journey ahead for you and for me and for all of us, and I wondered what we would do, what we could do, what we must do to get through these times as intact as possible, keeping sight of the long view, striving to stay sane, awake, engaged, and steadfast, in the face of backlash and threats to the communities and values and democracy that we hold dear. So she began reaching out to the writers and activists she knew to ask them to write a collection of love letters in response to these times. Yes, love letters. In her words, in a climate where bigotry is an explicit value of those in institutional power, speaking love is an act of dissent. I was inspired by her words and the words of the many writers in this book who wrote love letters to their sisters and brothers, their great grandmothers, to Harriet Tubman and Harriet Beecher Stowe, to their future grandchildren and current grandchildren, their parents, their sons and daughters, and to us. In these letters, they recall hopeful moments in their own personal histories and in our cultural history they reminded me that the previous generations before us, some recent and some distant, often had no evident reason to hope in the face of abject despair and devastation, and yet they kept going. They had to have hope in order to get through the varied trials and tribulations that they faced. Poverty, abandonment, abuse, slavery, loss, internment, discrimination, all of these and more, and yet they kept going amidst hardships that I certainly have not had to face in my own life. I recognize that my privilege and the work of many generations of people before me has afforded me the kind of helplessness that simply means reading and writing Facebook posts and incessantly scrolling social media on the internet. And yet, I still need hope. I still feel helpless often to make a difference and to help those who are in need. I need hope to keep going, to get myself moving, to go to those marches, to work for justice, to care for my family, to love in this world. The concept of radical hope sprang from the pages of this book and put into words for me what I and possibly many more people need right now. So what is radical hope? Firstly, it is a practice and not a feeling. It is an action. You practice radical hope, even if you don't actually feel all that hopeful. You just keep going because you must. You keep doing good work, being in service to others, speaking up, fighting for social justice, being kind to one another, making art, making phone calls, marching, voting, because action is far, far better than its opposite. Action brings meaning and purpose. Action gives us something to do when we don't know what else to do. The philosopher Jonathan Lear coined the phrase radical hope and in his words, what makes this hope radical is that it is directed toward a future goodness that transcends our current ability to understand what it is. It demands flexibility, openness, and what Lear describes as imaginative excellence. When we really can't see or even fathom what this future new world we are working toward might look like, we need to practice radical hope anyway. It is what carries us through despair To action. One of my favorite letters in the book is from Alicia Garza, the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement. She writes to Harriet Tubman, whom she calls Mama Harriet. Garza writes, your courage in the face of adversity makes it so that I can put one foot in front of the other, even when I'm tired, even when I'm scared, even when I'm not completely sure what I'm doing, or if it will work. You gave, me the te- de- excuse me. you gave me the determination to keep going, though we may never know the outcome of what we do or whether our goals will ever actually be accomplished. So how do we practice radical hope? For me, I can sum it up in two words. Showing up showing up for each other and for ourselves, for our country, for our environment, for our families, for our world. Even if I don't feel like it, I show up. If you can't bring yourself to make a sign or chant along with the protesters, show up. Show up in some way, make a donation, make a phone call, be present in this conversation, be here in this moment. If you aren't sure what a friend needs from you and they're hurting, show up. If you don't know what else to do, show up. Show up by being present, by hearing, by listening. Arinda Shino is a Philadelphia-area high school student whose essay, excuse me, essay, Practicing Radical Hope, was chosen from over 400 submissions in response to a call for teenage writers to process an installation at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. The art installation focuses on a letter Gandhi wrote to Hitler before the outbreak of World War II. Let that sink in, because I didn't even know that happened. (laughs) Gandhi wrote to Hitler as a fellow human being in an act of peaceful protest, an eloquent appeal in the face of remarkable brutality. That in and of itself is amazing. In Shino's essay, she talks about Gandhi's ability to empathize and and dissent peacefully, and that it's something we all have within us. Yes, his letter is remarkable, but we are remarkable too. She says we can do this by practicing radical hope. Shino writes that radical hope is the active, conscious practice of actually listening to someone when they speak, looking at them as your equal and keeping an open mind in spite of their ideas. Don't get me wrong, she says, this is not about tolerating intolerance. It's about how you go about combating intolerance. We all hold prejudices and biases and animosity just as we all hold compassion and empathy and kindness. I'm asking that you act on the side of decency through radical hope. It's a difficult thing to do because it requires immense effort. All good things do. Other inspirations to help us show up for each other. From the writer Colson Whitehead, be kind to everyone, make art, fight the power. From Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high. From the writer Roxana Robinson, who was writing about the angry voters who resented a woman candidate for president, who felt like they had been forgotten, who feel the need to see differences among, amongst us as weaknesses and not strength. She says, we can make ourselves impermeable. We can choose not to let their thoughts define ours. We can say to them, when you are ready to see us and to see our souls, we will be here ready to meet your gaze. From the playwright Jewel Gomez, history is bigger than one turn of the electoral wheel. She reminds us of the slogan that Emmeline Pankhurst created for the suffragette movement. movement. Deeds, not words. Gomez writes, that's what I want to do right now. Something, anything that will change the life of our nation. We look inside ourselves, our pasts, and find what propels us forward. We show up for each other. We stand beside each other we listen, we live practicing the radical hope that the world that is coming is going to be somehow better. Let's show up for each other.